0: All right, guys, it's Boomer Anderson. We're back with another episode of the Decoding Superhuman podcast. And today we're going to get into something special. And this is a little bit of a reflective episode on a life in movement. But I'm going to do it by bringing in some of our previous podcast guests and some of the words that they brought to me. Because starting this podcast and having smart conversations with smart people has changed my life. It's changed my perspective on a lot of domains and performance, but one of the ones I wanted to focus on first was the idea of movement, of exercise. First, if you would have heard me speak about movement three years ago, I would have spoke about it in terms of exercise, even as little as two years ago. I would have thought about it strictly in terms of how to move weight From point A to point B, or how to be at your fastest time in this XYZ CrossFit workout. And that has categorically changed. The way that I look at movement is very different. I still seek this goal of being anti-fragile, if you will. But I would like to think that these smart conversations with smart people has made me, you guessed it, smarter about movement. And so today I want to take you through three of those conversations and how they have impacted my life specifically when it comes to that idea of exercise. Let's get started. Let's get started with these reflections, shall we? And who better to start with than the person who's had the largest impact on how I perceive training in the past three years? That person is Wolfgang Unsold, who actually just started his own podcast, Way to Go Wolfgang. And he was on the show way back in the first 10 episodes. Wolfgang is one of the most successful personal trainers and strength trainers on the planet. He owns and started Your Personal Strength Institute in Stuttgart, Germany, or YPSI for short. And he's published over 100 before and after transformations. He's trained athletes from over 20 sports, including 13 athletes, which participated in the Winter Olympic Games in 2014, which was in Sochi, Russia. So you can say that the guy knows a lot, but he's also hilarious. I met Wolfgang at one of his seminars in Denmark. I learned a lot from him. I've used his programming for a lot of what I do over the years. And I've found it extremely effective both within myself and with some of our clients. So let's hear what Wolfgang has to say.
1: Great. So if they travel a lot and the only way to train is um, hotel gym, I'll give them short, easy workouts that they can do in hotel gyms with everything that's usually available in hotel gyms, which is like a pull-up bar, some dumbbells, a bench, maybe a barbell, depending on... um, the gym they train at, usually they know where to, where they go and know what's available. I make them short and easy. I don't make them very training because one thing that's overlooked is that um, training costs energy. If I make you train hard for an hour and do like deadlifts, 12 sets of them, mm-hmm. and you're crushed all day, that's not the purpose of training for the executive. The number one purpose for the executive to feel better. You want to have short workouts that are progressive, meaning that you improve your performance every training session but at the same time workouts that give you energy you want to feel better after training you don't want to feel smashed so i i design fairly short workouts um based around general movements like from a dumbbell bench press to uh, seated rows to chin-ups and pull-ups some squats some lateral lacrosse uh, to allow them to progress from training session to training session but not deplete themselves
0: Even after 120 plus episodes of this podcast, interviewing Wolfgang was one of the highlights for me. I met Wolfgang in Denmark, and we've gotten along. In fact, his programming has been something that has largely been consistent, or at least consistently themed throughout mine in the past three years since I've known him. So upon reflection of this, I want to acknowledge something that may not be obvious, and that is... First aligning the lifestyle with the goal, or if your lifestyle drives you, if your working life drives you, maybe selecting a exercise program that supports the working life rather than making the exercise program the focus of your life. Is something you may want to look into. And it's something that took me a long time to grasp, actually. Because, again, going back to my life in investment banking, I very much also wanted to live a double life and be a professional CrossFitter. There's an inherent problem there, is that there are two competing forces for a very limited thing called time. And so acknowledging that time is limited... And really reflecting on what is your true goal would enable me to really identify that if my true goal was to have my brain function properly, to have longevity, and to just really have a kick-ass life, working out 12 times a week was probably forcing it just a little bit. And so aligning that lifestyle, aligning that goal, with your workout program is something that can really help amplify your performance in the office instead of detract from it. And so that brings me to the second point of reflection here is that the exercise does not really, you shouldn't think first about exercise. That brings me to my second point here, which is that the recovery equals the stimulus And this is something that we talked about with Marcus Philly and a few others, but the recovery equals the stimulus, meaning if you are not giving yourself enough time to recover or if your lifestyle just doesn't allow you to have enough time to recover, then maybe looking at workouts that are less sympathetically driven, less crushing on your nervous system are something that may be useful to you. And that requires honesty. That requires just looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, like, hey, dude, you don't have enough time to recover. So maybe that 10 sets of 10 deadlifts, as Wolfgang alluded to, is the wrong stimulus for you. And if we back it out further to 35,000 feet or 10,000 meters, if you're a metric guy, and say, does this align with my goals? Does this align with the lifestyle I want to lead? And you say that the lifestyle you want to lead is to be that executive, to be that high cognitive ninja. Going out and smashing yourself for 10 sets of 10 deadlifts and then going into a work day are two taxing things. Now, over time, or initially it may not be a big issue, but over time it may add up and add to further issues down the line. So the first message is one of goal setting, reflection, and alignment. Let's move on to round two. Reflection number two. And some of you guys are going to be listening to this and say, huh? Boomer? Really? Daryl Edwards is a TEDx speaker and the best-selling author of Animal Moves. He's also a regular guest at places like Paleo FX. He's an ex-banker turned play enthusiast. And I had Daryl on the show not knowing what to expect, but it fundamentally changed how I looked at certain aspects of working out. In fact, I don't even call them working out
2: anymore. Call them play. Let's hear from Daryl. To be honest, I, I used to want to convert everyone to this way of thinking. If, you, if you're working out, and you're working out regularly, and you're motivated to continue, and you're, in, you're having pleasure from that pursuit keep doing it. Because to be honest, most of us just need to be moving more and and moving in ways that are helpful for us. So I don't want to put people off by saying, oh, you working out is not is not good. You know, exercise is a is a modern way of ensuring we get a certain amount of movement. It's a supplement for for that we require in a sedentary life. Right. So I have no issues with, with exercise. But if you're the sort of person who's questioning you're the time that you're spending, just more, spending more time looking at metrics and tracking how you're performing than actually enjoying what you do. If you're feeling despondent because you're not making the gains or the progress you expected or your peers uh, are doing better than you or, or whatever, it may, whatever it may be, then I would suggest you want to add some more directives that mean, actually, the only thing that matters during this session is that I'm having a lot of fun. Because I tell you one thing, which people usually understand when they attend one of my workshops or my play shops, as I prefer to call them, is that I do want to be the strongest, fittest uh, person that I can be, the most functional, the most practical, the most productive from a physical point of view, uh, as well as uh, maintaining optimal well being as I can. And if I thought for one second that play was a derivative of working out, you know, that I'm, there's a limit. There's a limit placed on how physically performant I can be because I'm only playing. I wouldn't be doing this, but I feel, I feel play gives me the best options available to be generally for general preparedness. so I don't just want to be strong. I want great stamina, I want great balance and coordination, I want you know mobility and flexibility, I want great power and there's all these different attributes that I want as a jack of all trades. And, and a master of none, and so people are surprised when I'll be doing one-on-one uh, partnership-based games, and I'm like, I can't believe how strong you are. What else do you do? You know, what do you do in the gym? And I'm like, I I don't do anything in the gym. I just do this. You know, how can you you just do body weight? I'm like, actually, no, I don't. I piggyback carry. I and carry, and if one person's not heavy enough, I and carry two people, and <laughs> you know, if that's not enough, I'll have. Piggyback somebody as well, so I carry three people and I push cars and I lift logs and so so I feel play actually removes the barriers to your ability because I know if I go into a gym and I say I lifted 450 pounds in my deadlift last week and I want to improve and I've got to the point where I can only put fractional plates on, so I'll add half a pound or a pound onto that, you know, and I'm, I'm making steady progress, but I know if If I had no idea what was on the bar, and it was a matter of kind of life, I've got to be able to lift this, I would probably smash 450 pounds and have no awareness of what I was actually lifting.
0: All right. Do you guys think I'm going crazy? Am I telling you guys not to measure things? Well, no, absolutely not. In fact, I love data. I mean, data helps me make behavior change faster faster. And with more accuracy than ever before. But there is a moment where it's nice to take a break from the data. And this is where play comes into play. Pardon the pun. Let's take a look at my typical workout regimen. So right now, I just came off an endurance cycle. And my periodization for the year looks a little bit like three quarters on for my focus on strength and strength training, and then one quarter focusing on endurance. Endurance is a genetic weakness for me. Strength training is a genetic strength. There you go. I'm full of them today. And so therefore, that's how I like to do my training split. And right now I'm segueing back into strength training, which is going to look a little bit like Westside barbell programming. So dynamic effort days, max effort days, But I want to integrate a little bit more of this element of play. And it's something that I did while training for the marathon that I found to be very successful. And sometimes that element of play may just be going to the gym and having fun, picking up whatever weights, doing whatever exercises I feel that day, etc. That's what I did in the marathon. I had a lot of fun going into those gym days and just saying, hey, for the next 45 minutes, and I gave myself 45 minutes, but you can do it in 15 certainly, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want in this weight room. It was relaxing. I saw the benefits through things like HRV. Also saw the benefits at the time through recovering from injury. But as I go back into strength training, when strength training when you get into max effort days can be very sympathetic dominant, my play days may look a little bit like going out for a jog in the park nearby and just maybe doing a pull-up on a tree, maybe doing several pull-ups on a tree, maybe just playing around in the park and enjoying the aspect of it. What I'm trying to work in here is an element of just doing something for fun rather than the sake of doing it. Yes, I still have that training that I'm doing in the gym where I'm measuring how much weight I'm moving, how long it takes me to move the weight, how far I'm moving the weight, work capacity, average weight per set, all of this stuff, or sorry, average weight per rep over the course of the entire workout. I'm measuring all of that stuff, but I want to work in a little bit of a 20% regimen to help balance it out for me. Because the data is certainly helpful. The data is certainly motivating. But having that play element keeps you going consistently over the long term. And ultimately, what you don't want to do is go through this roller coaster of I'm working out now. I'm super excited about it. I'm working out 12 times a week or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, vacation comes and you stop working out for a period of months. What you want is to deliver consistent results over time. And working in that element of play has enabled me to come back to my other workouts with a certain level of intensity to burst through plateaus and to become just better. So I like the idea of play, and I'm looking forward to further play days with myself. All right, so reflection number three, we're going way back into the podcast realms with Dr. Doug McGuff. And Dr. McGuff is one of the most knowledgeable people on exercise I've ever met. He became fascinated with exercise after reading Arthur Jones' Nautilus Bulletin Number 2, which led him to go to medical school. Dr. McGuff is also the author of my favorite exercise book ever, Body by Science. If you recall this conversation, I was a little bit over my head, trying to punch above my weight class, so to speak, because both. Dr. McGuff is extremely knowledgeable in the field of exercise and exercise science, but he's also very knowledgeable about a particular field called high-intensity training. At the time of this conversation, I was unfamiliar with high-intensity training, but have since gone through a few experiments with some of the people that he recommends in the episode. And I really enjoy it. And I'll reflect on this after. But here are some wise words from Dr. Doug McGuff.
3: So we are going to select a handful of movements to cover all the musculature of the body in a way that tracks muscle and joint function. So the muscle is always under continuous load of the weight. It starts off at a certain level of strength, but if you perform the resistance training in a certain method following muscle and joint function, you're going to invoke this deep, deep level of fatigue in a very short period of time. And that has been coined by Arthur Jones, Ken Hutchins, other people, we all refer to it as inroad, which is the momentary weakening of muscle. So how is it that you're going to produce that? Well, the best way to do it is so that you're under the continuous load of the weight. So what that means is you don't want to get the weight moving under its own momentum. You don't want to throw the weight. So you want to start moving the weight as gradually as you can. So the resistance is on the loaded musculature. And if you start your movement as gradually as possible, what you will find is you will organically express a repetition cadence that may fall somewhere between four and 10 seconds depending on the movement. So it's actually quite slow because what you're doing is you're depriving yourself of using momentum as a means of escaping the resistance. So let's say we're doing a chest press exercise at the gym. It can be a hammer strength, it can be a bench press, fill in the blank. You're going to start not by just jamming that thing up and trying to get it moving. The purpose isn't to make the weight go from point A to point B. The purpose is to use the weight as a mechanism of fatiguing your muscle. So you're going to start very gradually. You're going to just compress the skin in your hands and the pads of your hands and keep advancing, keep advancing until the weight just starts moving. Once that's started, you just push hard and smooth. And when you get close to the end where your elbows are going to lock, you don't lock your elbows because you don't want to rest on bone on bone and take the tension off. You smoothly turn around, change directions. You come back down to the bottom. You barely touch. You barely start and you just keep it moving in a continuous, slow and smooth fashion. And what you'll find is as you do that, you can't escape the load of the resistance. And that recruits your muscle and fatigues it quickly. So in the course of 60 to 90 seconds, you're going to reduce the strength of that targeted musculature by at least 40%. So having decreased your strength that deeply, that quickly, the organisms looking at it like wrestling with a very equally matched opponent. And it's going to be like, holy cow.
0: Let's get to that concept of smarter, not harder, because going back a number of years when I lived in Singapore, my idea of exercise was very different. I was working in investment banking, working 60 to 80 hour work weeks at the bare minimum. I was traveling all the time and frankly, jamming in workouts everywhere I possibly could. The idea was more, 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 that Puritan work ethic, rolling up my sleeves, just trying to get more done because I wanted to be Rich Froning or Marcus Philly since he's been on the podcast before. And in hindsight, I probably pushed it a little too far. It was well known that at lunchtime in Singapore, I would go to the gym. Everybody else would go and get their lunch. I would go to the gym. What people didn't see is that I probably had another workout planned either in that evening or in that morning, targeting a different area that I was trying to be great in. Yes, I was attempting to be anti-fragile, but I was making myself anything but because I kept pounding my nervous system. And this is where something like high-intensity training for a time-constrained individual, can be extremely useful. First off, the workouts can be very short. We're talking 10 to 20 minutes tops, maybe a little bit more if you include your warm-up or whatever it is. And the workouts are just one set of a certain exercise. But here's where I love high-intensity training is because it reframes your mind. And After this episode, I had the chance to work with Drew Bay, who Dr. McGuff recommends or talks about in the episode. And Drew did a real good job at just simplifying my workouts for me. I would work out once every three days. And I would work out for a period of about 15 minutes in total. And this is something that you can run in any basic gym. It's helpful to have good machines uh, which is not Techno Gym, by the way. And it's helpful to have good machines with good strength curves. But the idea is to focus on time under tension. And so, what do I mean by that? Instead of banging out three sets of 10, or four sets of eight, or six sets of six, or whatever it is, five by fives. Hey, bro, gotcha. You're focused on really how long can you remain under tension? This means that you're not locking out, you're not pausing, but you're really going through the motion of something like a squat, a leg press. And that allows you to remain under tension for a period, as Dr. McGuff liked to highlight, of really about 90 seconds. And so you're selecting a weight which is very different from your one rep max. In fact, I believe Drew told me it was about a six to eight rep max is where you want to target at first. And you're moving through this motion, always keeping tension on the muscle. As an aside, it brings you to a state where you're pretty mindful about your movement. And the burn sensation is incredible. The beauty of this whole thing is it's only one set, and then you move on to the next exercise. Dr. McGuff outlines about five exercises that you need to do. Drew had me go through about 10. But all in all, you're done in, let's say, 10 times 1 minute 30. Think about that. That's 15 minutes plus a little bit for movement. And you're moving fast. You're moving from one exercise to the next. You're keeping your heart rate up, which gives you some of that, air quotes, cardiovascular workout, aerobic workout, if you will. And you're getting all the benefits very quickly. So if you're a person who says, hey, I have 15 minutes in a given week, well, there's a workout out there for you. And I encourage you to check out Dr. McGuff's stuff because look, I love working out. And so I don't necessarily follow high intensity training all the time, but in periods when I am busy and periods when I'm traveling a lot and the gym quality is going to be uncertain, I often revert to this conversation with Dr. McGuff and say, hey, it's a great route to go. And frankly, if the idea is to continue to build muscle mass, if the idea is to continue to stay in shape despite having a busy life, high-intensity training may be for you. Well, that wraps up these reflective episodes. But let me know what you think about this. Shoot an email over to podcast at decodingsuperhuman.com and let me know what you think. What topics do you want me to cover if we do further reflective episodes? If you loved it, please head on to the social medias and start chattering about it. Throw it on Instagram, throw it in your stories, throw it in Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever you are, and just tag Decoding Superhuman. I'd love to hear from you guys. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please head over to iTunes. Yes, iTunes, not necessarily SoundCloud or anything else, but iTunes is really helpful. Head over to iTunes and give the podcast a five-star rating leave a comment i read them all and pretty soon we're going to start sending you guys stuff for leaving ratings so thank you all for listening the show notes for this one are decoding superhuman.com slash movement m-o-v-e-m-e-n-t thank you superhumans